Jeopardy! Today's contestants are... To Bruce Springsteen fans, Paula Schneider and Christopher Stuckey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a unique episode of Set Lusty Bruce. Um, while, yes, this is a podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans, I have two unique fans that are joining me to give us a behind-the-scenes blow the lid off. Actually, they have nothing <laughs> but great things to say about being on Jeopardy, and you ask, how the hell did you get this connection? Well, Chris has been on the show before. Paula is planning to be on the show, and it turns out that not only were they on Jeopardy the same day, they are both huge Springsteen fans. So, Paula, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Jesse. This was just really fun. And so, I, you know, I'm, I'm watching y'all's show and I'm pausing and I'm going, hey, hey, Linda, Linda, come here, come here. And my wife's looking like, what, what? Like, okay, he's been on the show. She's going to be on the show. What are the odds? I would go, exactly. So, um, Paula, let's start with you, ladies first. Tell us a little about yourself. Um, okay. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I've lived all over the country. I am an ROI trainer, which is probably the one thing people are most interested in after they've seen me on Jeopardy, because ROI, nobody knows what it means. It's a release of information. I train basically HIPAA and high-tech law, uh, releasing medical records, but it has caused a lot of cool conversations. Um, the other thing that's really big in my life, other than Bruce Springsteen, is I do theater. I am part of a theater company that does social justice theater, and I'm extremely proud of what we do. Uh, the only time I was ever pissed off about it was we were producing the Shawshank Redemption during mine and Chris's game, and Matt Amodio beat me to that answer, and that was probably the worst moment for me. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, as a New Yorker, getting buzzed out on the New York questions was bad enough. Yeah. But the Josh Ank one was tough. Other than that, I am a mother of three, a grandmother of three. I have three cats. So I guess three is my lucky number. And I mean, I've been a Springsteen fan. I don't remember not really being a Springsteen fan for most of my life. Well, I am going to, like I said, we are going to have you on and we're going to do a traditional episode. Um, it's interesting. I just had um, the Shoshan brothers on last night. Uh, yeah, um, Brian had been on the show before, but his brother and him joined me and they talked about being on Broadway, you know, mm -hmm. that Bruce's people reached out and said, Bruce 
want you to come see him on Broadway because they're going to be talking a lot about your dad. And so we told, but um, um, the David um, said, you didn't ask me any of the questions. We're like, no, 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 I'll have you on another time. Right now, we're just going to talk about that. So uh, I am so glad you're here and I appreciate that. Um, Chris, welcome back to the show. And for those of you who may have not heard your episode, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Sure, Jesse. Thanks. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be back. I, uh, I am from central Illinois, Bloomington to be exact. Um, I uh, work in uh, corporate communications. Uh, enjoy it very much. I also do theater from time to time, probably not quite as often as it sounds like Paula does, but, uh, but I do enjoy that. That's what my degree's in um from illinois wesleyan university go titans um but uh but yeah also a huge huge fan of bruce and uh can rewind to that episode if you want to hear more about that with me and my friends um but uh but yeah and a huge game show fan which is uh probably more to tonight's point yeah so um i i can remember i've always been a fan of jeopardy i've always enjoyed it um the you know it is the toughest of the game shows by far so uh, maybe just start a little bit with you paula what's your history and why did you want to be on jeopardy well my history started when i was little and art fleming was the host my mother was a big fan i so remember that too i love that and i remember my mom was my mom was really good at answering but my mother was always so impressed with people who were on the show. And then of course the show went away. And when it came back in like 85 with Alex, uh, it just was the perfect time in my life to, I had the time during the day cause I was newly married and pregnant. And I was like, I'm going to be on that show someday. And my one thing that I told people 35 years ago is I don't care if the final jeopardy topic is Paula Scheider. I will never bet everything on Final Jeopardy. And I did stick to that. But the reason, the funny thing is I auditioned in maybe May and I only auditioned for Jeopardy. I never thought I was smart enough to really make the show. I was going to audition for Wheel of Fortune because I am really, I'm the Madame Modio of Wheel of Fortune. Well, I'd had a couple glasses of wine and I locked myself out of the Wheel of Fortune app. So I was like, okay, that's good. I'll just try the Jeopardy at home test. And I forgot about doing it. And then I got an email saying, come back for round two. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I got the email for round three. And being on camera is what I do all day long as a corporate trainer. So I was like, all right, audition me. And then one day in August, the beginning of August, I was having a really crappy day. And I got a phone call and this woman says, hey, this is Lori from Sony Pictures Jeopardy. And my response was, no, it's not. Yeah. No, I'm having a terrible day. And she was like, well, I hope I'll make your day better. And that was the first Friday in August. And two weeks later, I'm in L.A. And so was Madame Odio and everybody else. And it was just like, I, I really still to this day. I still can't, it seems like a dream I had. And tonight when we were out, I was out to dinner with friends. Somebody came up and said, were you on Jeopardy? And I'm like, 
okay, this is weird, but it's, it, I think it'll be more real to me maybe in another couple months, but sure. right now I feel like it's a movie I saw. Oh, that's interesting. So it's Chris, definitely- no, that's great. Chris, how about you? You know, my, uh, my experience is very different, almost, almost polar opposite from what Paul just described in that I have been trying for years, decades to be on Jeopardy. Um, and really never, never tried greatly to be on anything else. Um, for a brief little while, when the first uh, incarnation of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire came on, I guess I did that because you could go, you could do it from anywhere and you could call it on the phone and, and do those questions when Regis was running it. Um, I didn't, I didn't make it very far with that. But Jeopardy, um, I took, I took the Jeopardy test when you had to take it in person in 1992. Um, I was in LA and went to uh, to the studios. And I'm not sure it was even at the Culver City uh, at Sony Studios where it is now. But um, we sat in the audience. They gave us a paper with 50 blanks on it and uh, played us a. Uh, they rolled out like the AV Club cart with a TV on it and a videotape of Alex reading 50 questions, and uh, and we had to answer them on our piece of paper and turn them in. Um, and I'd say there were 50, maybe 100 people uh there for the test that day and so they took all of our papers away and and uh didn't tell us how many we had to get right they graded all of our papers and came back and didn't tell us how many we did get right they uh they walked out and they said okay you you and you stay everybody else thanks for coming out so they took about three people out of the uh out of the 50 or 100 that had taken the test that day that was my first experience with it um, I didn't take it again until it was uh, offered online, as Paula said. Um, the anytime test now, it used to be once a year. And so for several years, uh, when when the window would open up, I would go on and take it. And uh, with modern technology being what it is, you can sort of go after the fact and look up the answers and 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 with communities of people working on it figure out okay well this is this is what we think the answer key would be and and so this so i can tell what i got and over time they uh they i I think the consensus is out of the 50 questions out there people think probably got to get about 35 or better to uh to move on to the next round um i did that for several years uh at least in my estimation but never got the random sort of selection to audition after that but uh, this summer, for whatever reason, my experience was almost then exactly what Paula described. Um, I, we probably got the call from Lori on the same. I, Lori also called me probably the same day um, and uh, and said, hey, you want to come out? We uh, we talked a whole whole lot of stuff. I filled out some forms and a couple of weeks later was uh, was in Culver City and ready to go. Do do they pay for you to go there or do you have to pay for your own dime? They do not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think, I, I think it used to be, I think they used to. Okay. Um, and I don't know how long ago that's been, but, uh, but no, we, we paid our own flight, paid our own hotel. And I think um, for, for someone like Matt, uh, my understanding from the, I think this came from the first phone call was uh if, if you have to come back, if you are turning champion at that point, they will take care of at least the flight. I would assume they okay. were lodging too, but, uh, but your first time around now, it's all on you. It's all on you. Okay. So you find out you're going to go on 
Um, I, I've read Ken Jennings' book, uh, you know, so I know a little bit, but talk about what's your pre-show prep, and we'll start with you, Chris, like what, you know, because you need to know a little bit about everything. So what, what did you do? I think there's a, there's a whole lot of different ways people have gone about this. For me, um, it was a pretty short period. So I had a little less than a month, maybe three weeks, four weeks. I I don't recall exactly how between uh, getting the call and knowing that I was going to go. And I I was not optimistic that I was going to learn a whole lot more uh, and retain a whole lot more. What I really did was practice the to to buzz in. Um, I read a book that I think Paula also read by um, by a former contestant who wrote a, a very brief book, but just about the buzzer, the technique that he used to to try and get better at it. And I used uh, an online app that he created, and I used like an Xbox controller and and rigged it all up so that I could. Uh, simulate buzzing in and and i probably spent as much time on that as anything else as far as studying i tried to read up on presidents and geography because i'm weak in those and they get asked about a lot but uh, that's how i spent my weeks going into the into the deal paula how about you i was going i i read a lot of the books too and my thing was going and relearning what i already knew and then it was of all things africa which of course I got my first, I buzzed in for the first question, knew the right answer and said the wrong one. Um, but flashcards were my life. Yeah. Flashcards, making the flashcard itself is a way of learning or right. relearning. And then just forcing myself over and over. And then I also found myself, no matter what I was reading or watching, I kept looking for the potential Jeopardy question in everything I read or saw, what could they ask? What would they ask? And the, but it's true. What you said earlier was exactly right. You need a very vast, but not very deep body of knowledge. Yeah. And my thing was geography and God, I memorized all the stupid vice presidents. I'm still kind of annoyed about that. <laughs> well, and the other thing that I found interesting is right there there is clues built into the answers right and so Mm -hmm. it thinking how to learn to think that way um i've been i've never like i've i've been on fan run jeopardies like it like at a star trek convention you know we'll we'll they'll have jeopardy and and they'll um they'll do like the rhyming clues or other things. And so I I always try to think about that and it's the game goes so fast, right. But trying to see what is the clue they're giving you in that answer. Did, is there any way to train or to get you in that mindset or is it just, you either get it or you don't. And Paula, we'll start with you first. You know, I get the, I, the whole mindset thing. That's, that's where I excel. That's where people would be like, how do you know that? And I'm like, I didn't know until I saw the clue in the question, right? But the, the thing you're supposed to do is watch as many Jeopardy games as you can. That's a little difficult because it's not streaming. I, ha- I happened to catch the one season on Netflix and then they pulled it. So I did a lot of J Archive, which is an awesome, 
uh, awesome place to go and read the past clue boards. But sometimes it, it really is. It's that ability to suss out the easy clue and the difficult question. And that I was really good at. Um, I just have that kind of mind, sorry. But yeah, I think that's, that's the best answer I could give is you had to understand the voice of the Jeopardy authors to be able to answer. Yeah, Chris? That's that's absolutely right, and that's uh, really perceptive for you to pick out because I've I've mentioned uh, I can't think of how many times uh, to to folks since uh, I was on the show and, and who wanted to talk about it how important that is that they that they give you these clues that even if you don't know the answer you can make a pretty educated guess so yeah J archive was uh, was a big part of of the studying I did too and. And I, I didn't mention before, I, I so some of what I did, I think probably the weirdest thing that I decided to do was um, instead of just uh, watching the show, which I did uh, as much as I could, or going through the J archive clues myself, which I also did as much as I could, um, I would have my wife uh, go to J archive and ask me every question from, from the boards on a particular show. And then while I was answering, I was playing um, Robotron 2084 to try and simulate distraction or having to deal with, um, you know, just just other things besides answering the question and see, okay, can I can I make answering the question almost second nature so that even if there's bright lights and there's people running around on the stage and, you know, there's, there's a celebrity standing across from me who, who is uh, uh, talking to me and all of these things are going on, but can I also think about and answer a question while I'm doing that? And also I used that practice time to, to learn how to call for the next clue quickly because my pet peeve is people who stand there and stare after they've answered the question and don't call for the next clue. I was like, I'm not going to be that person. So, uh, yeah, that's how I used it. So had you guys thought about, um, are you going to be the starting at the, you know, easiest clue working the way down or do the random numbers, Chris? Um, I think we had, we had a little bit of an advantage in knowing who we were going to see or at the very least knowing who we were very possibly going to see. Okay. Um, usually I don't think it's common for contestants to go to a taping and face somebody they've already seen on television. Even with, even with James Holzhauer, who had a, a, a pretty long run. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure what I read was that, that the people who faced him didn't know how long he had been on until they went in. I think it's uncommon. Um, In this case, because of the way the timing fell and the way the hiatus fell, I had watched many, many games with Matt playing. And at the end of the, of the last season, knowing that I was going to be taping one of the first couple of weeks of the new season. I said, there's a pretty good chance that this is who I'm going to draw. And so I had something to shoot at. I I had something to prepare for. So I, I did kind of study, well, what's he doing? And 
what could I potentially do to to counter that? And really, it's just a matter of you. I don't I don't think that there's any question that you could go in there and try and play the old style top to bottom game against Matt and succeed because he's too good and he goes and gets the daily doubles. And if you don't get those, you're done. So you're not going to run the board against him. And, and really, I think I, I decided that if I were to face Matt and I did Mm -hmm. that the only, the, the only way to do would be to try and beat him at his own game. And so, yeah, I, I never really considered I, I used to love when people would run a category top to bottom and get applause yeah. for it at the end. I was like, oh, that'd yeah. be so fun. But I don't think it's I don't think you can do that anymore. Uh, and certainly not when you're up against somebody that good. Paula? In my mind, oh yeah, I was gonna start at the bottom and work my way up and all of that. And when I missed my fir- when I missed the first question, sure, my mindset, I was just like, I froze for a, a second or two. Um, looking back, the yeah, I wish I had played Matt's game because the irony is of the one thing I wish I'd pulled was the uh, uh, double jeopardy, the double jeopardy in first round, where daily double in the first round because I almost picked acronyms because I train HIPAA. Yeah. And for some reason, though, I'm a New Yorker, so I went to the New York category, and I still replay in my mind if I had gotten that daily double eyes, lips, face. Hell yeah. I had a whole bag of it literally in the studio. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I, I admired Matt's play, but once I got into it and I knew I, Chris made it clear that he wasn't like going to be a, somebody I could roll over easy, easily either. I kind of lost my original intention of playing across the bottom of the board. Yeah. And then for some, some of it, I was just like, just playing for dear life, trying to get in and be right. And sometimes I was really different for me. It was my, how I envisioned everything, even trying to be realistic about it. Once I was there, I was like, that's not working for me. Talk a little bit more about that, Paula. Well, you know what it was, honest to God, it's the buzzer. Um, It wasn't being on camera. That doesn't bother me. The bright lights, bring them on. It was the buzzer. And then I beat, I did beat myself in my, in my own mind too. Uh, Matt is so good at what he does. And I remember one moment where I realized, stop watching the damn game. You're playing it yeah. because Matt had rung in on something. I was like, damn, that was, oh wait, I'm playing too. Yeah. And that was my thing was, and I, I had read all the stuff on the buzzer and looking back, I'm left-handed. I played it with my left hand and, you know, you start replaying those things. Like maybe I should have switched hands in rehearsal. I will say, I was like, I got this in rehearsal, but I didn't have Matt on the other side of me. That was also a big thing too. When you say rehearsal, you guys both explained to me a little bit, maybe let's go through the process. Like you get there and, you know, walk me a little bit through the day and you guys just kind of share, take turns talking about like, what, sure. what's the process? I'll, I'll start off and then I'll, I'll hand off. But uh, we got there, we got there about seven fifteen, seven thirty, 730. And, and the first couple hours were just them talking to us. We, we sat in the uh, audience section of the wheel of fortune studio 
with the the wheel and everything was all tarped over and covered up could don't touch yeah. um but but we had a, a very long lecture about covid protocol a very long lecture about um the rules of the game and uh what we had to do and what they had to do to follow those and um final and and then hair and makeup were going on during that time as well um so it wasn't until uh, a couple hours into the day that we were actually taken into the jeopardy studio and and got to do practice rounds and uh, paula if you want to take over and talk about those the practice round to me was like everything because you got to play a game and they called you up randomly and when the, the questions they were asking i was like i got that i got that i got that when the funny thing for me was Matt played, I didn't get to play against him in rehearsal, but when he came back up to sit in the audience, he happened to be in the same row I was. So I thought, okay, you know, might as well chat with the guy. Cause he's, he's, he is shy. He is very shy. And I turned to him. I said, I'm going to guess that none of these questions are going to be in today's game. And he laughed and he said, well, I'll tell you the truth. They use the same questions for every rehearsal. So Matt had been through that by then 25 times. Wow. Also did not play the Matt Amodio game. When Matt rehearsed, he went to 200, then 400. And we're all like, we know that's not how you play. But it turned out, yes, he knew all the answers, not only because he knew them because he's Matt, but because he sat there 25 times. When I got up there, the biggest shock to me, the platform rose when I was standing on it. And I was like, oh, okay. But it was so much easier for me to play when it was rehearsal. And it could it partially mind games, partially that I didn't have two people on either side of me who were better at the buzzer. Um, but it was kind of that thrill of, I just answered a few questions in a row correctly on Jeopardy and nobody could ever take that away. But Chris and I have talked about this. For the longest time, I did not remember which questions were in my game, which ones were in my rehearsal game, and which ones I even answered correctly. I know what I answered wrong, but until yeah. I watched it, I could not remember my correct answers because it's all a blur. But I will tell you, I remember everybody else's show and their answers. I mean, it's crazy. It's an out-of-body kind of experience. It really is. That's true. I'll, I'll just jump in real quick on that. Is I, I had the same experience. I couldn't. I couldn't have told you, with confidence. I think a single question from our round that that anybody else got, that I got, that I got wrong, that I got right, because yeah, it just it just all all melded together. But I think part of that is a function of, to some extent, you just kind of lock in, yeah. And that's how I felt during our game was just like, I, I was, I was shaken for the very first segment before the first break, before Maya interviewed us, you know, did, did the sort of getting to know us questions. Um, my hand was shaking. And um, once that break was over, once we had gone through the, the answering the questions for whatever reason, it was like deep breath, okay, and now here we go. And at that point, I was I was so there and so present for the rest of it that 
I just was not, I wasn't registering anything. I wasn't making any memories of it, I think, honestly. And so I was very anxious to see the tape, the, uh, the uh, recording one when, when it finally aired, just be, just so that I could see what happened. I didn't remember that I'd gotten one wrong, frankly. Yeah. Um, I would have, I think, I would have told you not confidently, but I was like, I, I think I got it. I think I got all of the ones I answered correct. Yeah. That was that was wrong. I had missed the very first one that came up. Um, I gave Ser- Sergio Leone as an answer. It should have been um, uh, uh, any any more cone. Um, did um how did you pick what you wanted to wear i'm sure they gave <laughs> guidelines right like but i but i'm sitting there going you know um i i it has been um i i don't know if either one of you are ted lasso fans um uh, but there's a just recently there's an episode where all the team has to go to a funeral and they won't let them wear trainers. And so they're cursing dress shoes. And I was like, you know, it has been two years since I've had to wear dress shoes at my current mm-hmm. job. So I would be feeling that way. So, and I can't think the last time I wore, well, yeah, I did when I was interviewing for my last job was when I wore a jacket and a tie. What, talk to me about like what, I'm sure they, they want you guys to look nice. Everyone always does. Did you have a lucky you know, pin? Did you have, you know, something, you know, do you wear a Springsteen t-shirt underneath? Talk to me a little bit about that. I'll start with you, Paula. Well, I had one, I had a bracelet that I had bought three bracelets for, from a charity that saves, that pulls plastic out of the ocean and makes it into bracelets. And my nieces, two of my nieces, Chloe and, and Gracie, I'd given them each a bracelet and then I wore one. But my challenge was since the pandemic began, I've lost 75 pounds. I literally had nothing to wear because when I work, all I have to look, all you have to see is from the shoulders up, right? Well, they said, you know, you had to have something you could clip the mic pack on business casual. I couldn't remember the last time I wore heels. I did bring heels with me to the studio they stayed in my bag. I wore flats during the show, but I literally hit like every store I could to find something that I could wear. And they told us to bring five days worth of clothes. I'll tell you right now, finding business casual clothing after the uh, pandemic is not as easy as one might think. I can imagine. It was a pain. And I, the, the one thing I joked about was I was kind of glad the one thing about not winning is I hated the rest of my wardrobe, but you know, I picked the one thing that I liked best of everything and it still wasn't my favorite, but yeah, you had, you know, no prints and I've been on television before. I knew no prints. Um, I knew the colors that looked good on screen. I knew the colors that didn't, but the problem was just finding clothes that actually fit me. And that was one of Mayim's potential questions for me you know that we give five facts and I was kind of waiting for her to hone in on the, the wardrobe thing but I'd been told in advance which question she was going to ask me during the get to know you thing but yeah it was a pain in the butt and I've worn heels once since I was on the show and I see no reason to ever do that again I've done it I've proven I can do it I did it for years I'm all about flats now well, congratulations on the weight loss. Uh, you. you know, I, that's that's a wonderful accomplishment. How about you, Chris? 
Um, very similar. Uh, yeah, I had not had to be in the office um, and and needed some new clothes. I, I really went on uh, kind of a spree for a couple of weeks uh, leading up to going out to California, um, get some new stuff. And yeah, it's it is kind of kind of sparse out there for um, for business casual type clothes. Now, Polly, I don't know if you feel the same way. But I got the feeling that uh, that frankly, the the whole emphasis on look was kind of a Mike Richards thing. They say oh, to you on that okay. call, our and our executive producer really likes a certain a certain special look. Yeah. Um, so they gave they gave some guidelines in the email that they sent. Um, pretty helpful, actually, for me. Honestly, there was a little collage of look like these people, don't look like these people, and that's that's exactly the kind of help I need when I'm going to go clothes shopping. It's like show me what you want. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I had, uh, I had five out outfits. I ended up going with, uh, with the suit that I had bought before, actually not, not any of the stuff that I'd gotten just for that. Didn't have anything special, um, on, no, I didn't have a Bruce shirt underneath. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I was hauling around a suitcase full of clothes, um, for, for that whole day. So, now, you mentioned you give them four or five facts that that way they can choose, but they tell you in advance, this is the one she'll probably ask you about. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, and, and Paula, make sure I'm remembering this correctly. Uh, they, they pretty much said, yeah, this is what it's going to be. And it was the one that I had talked about with the contestant coordinator before, as far as identifying yeah. which we we like these which one do you like best and so i had picked that one that was the one that they were going to go with um they said some they, they they led us to believe that mayam will sometimes go rogue on okay. which one that that she she will sometimes get in her head you know see one that like piques her interest and that she has the latitude to to switch midstream like that if she chooses to um but uh but that didn't happen with me it doesn't sound like it happened with paula do they, they set? Would be, yeah, yeah. Do do they? You know, one of my things that I've done career-wise is when I'm in a business meeting, um, I tend to partly because maybe I'm a podcaster, and partly because I I know that I can overtalk. So I tend to be very like if I'm in a a presentation or if I'm in a, a, a quote unquote board meeting, a, you know, a thing, I tend to be, try to make it very succinct. Like I answer the question, got to do it very quickly and then move on. Um, so I would be petrified. Like I, I got to make sure I don't get buzzed. Like, okay, that's too long of an answer, Jesse. And you're raving your hand, Chris. So. <laughs> yes, yes. Paula knows what I'm going to say about. So the very first day, um, who was it? I don't. I don't Tracy. remember the contestants. I'm sorry. Tracy. It, was it was Tracy. Tracy. Tracy had a story that went real sort of long, and so um, long. It, they they kept having they they had her do it like three times, didn't they? Mm -hmm. Like 
just to to uh to pare it down each time Mm -hmm. so so the version that actually that eventually aired was like the third attempt and and just the shortest version um so yeah each time each time it lost a little detail as they as they went along but uh yeah it was funny that you said that jack uh jesse just because of um that by the time then that that we went on stage i knew just got to get in get out you know and mm-hmm. so you can even see i think when i when i've looked at the tape from from that day i can see myself just like how short can i make this yes <laughs> yeah i can and imagine I, I did the same thing i had to the story i told i mean i could have gone on and on about the hotel and the wine and i mean but in my mind i was like okay pare it down pare it down pare it down and and Chris provided me the perfect segue. We did not know each other's question. So when Chris talked about meeting his wife through musical theater, I had the perfect segue into, well, when I was with my theater company and you know, it would have been perfect if Matt had had a theatrical experience too. Yes. But after seeing Tracy have to retake, I was like, okay, cut that, cut that. And I had that time to rehearse, which, I do for a living. So it was yeah. like, okay, that's a cool fact. You can pull that fact out, but keep the story, the, the main line of the story. And the funniest thing is one of the few things that I've been given crap about online is somebody commented, wow, all that buildup and it wasn't even a celebrity. And I'm like, really? You weren't impressed? But I responded with a list of all the celebrities I've worked with. So that was my answer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, I, I lived in terror of that moment of, okay, do it again. Plus, Mike Richards was there for our show. He was not there for the first two. We went to lunch. Then Chris and I came back. And we were going next. And Mike walked in. And that was part of my, okay, that's him. And... I, I assumed he was going to be a little more challenging. And I think I was right on that one. Did you know who he was? I mean, did so? Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah we see. Um, so so we taped the week after sort of that that uh, second round of scandals for him. Okay. Wow. So, um, they they began taping for the new season the Thursday before we arrived to tape on Tuesday. So less okay. than a week. So um, the timeline was like there there was there was these revelations right after he was announced as the permanent host, and they were sort of they weren't great, but they didn't seem like they were going to sink him. And then, so that Thursday, I'm getting, I'm, I'm preparing to, to, you know, I'm, I'm in my final preparations to leave on the following Monday. Um, that Thursday, there's an article that goes out on the ringer that is much more in depth and much more, more uh, embarrassing, I think, and, and damaging to, to him. Um, he's taping the first week of this season on that day. And then the next day, Friday, they were going to tape five more shows. Instead, he stepped down as the host and they didn't tape any. 
So I was, we, we got an email from one of the contesting coordinators that Friday, basically saying, we don't know what's going to happen. Stand by. Um, so I didn't know if, if I was going to get on a plane, I didn't know if I was going to go then or be delayed or, or they were going to have to, to, uh, hold off and look for, for somebody else to host. Um, so as it turned out, they, they got Maya in and, and, uh, um, we got to go, but, oh yeah, that was, that was a huge sort of shadow over that. We, we knew who that was just because of all of that happening the week before. And just like Paula, as soon as he was on the set, I, I locked in immediately. I was like, oh, there he is. Wow. Cause he was still executive producer at that time. And then, and then sometime later, he, he did not have that job anymore either. You guys both have been on social media and talking about Myron. So anything you want to share, just she, she, from a viewer, she just seems absolutely lovely. And I, uh, I was telling about that. I did not see all the guest hosts, but I had seen a, a fair amount. And I did think she was really strong and just seemed to be good at this. So thoughts. I love her. She is my girl crush. Okay. Um, she is just at, there's a line that she does in the Big Bang Theory where she's talking about Priya, who is Raj's sister. And she's telling Penny about her. Uh, uh, and Penny's like, so she's horrible. And Amy Farrah Fowler says, oh no, she is a delight. Mm-hmm. That is my Bialik. Oh, she was a nice. total absolute professional she had her when she talked to me and asked me my interview question it was literally she asked me a question and we had a conversation um I totally thoroughly enjoyed her and I will say that her professionalism in the face of a challenging atmosphere was amazing she really handled her her situation and the tension in the studio brilliantly i was so impressed by her i have nothing bad to say about her at all ever that's neat that's 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 good to hear anything chris um not much to add to that i i fully agree um I didn't follow uh, very closely all of the guest hosts that tried out. And frankly, I did not see Mayim's first set of shows that she did during that time. Um, So, so this was, I think the first time that I saw her as a host was in person, but I thought she did a great job. Um, Just, just as Paula said, uh, very real, very attentive and engaging. And when you, when, when I, interacted with her I felt like I was interacting with a person and not putting on a performance um so so that was great I think we talked some in in groups about uh hosts in general there was there was a little bit of uh a feeling of whistling past the graveyard as far as uh talking too in depth about what we felt about any particular host um but we talked, uh, I know that, uh, that Matt, myself, uh, probably Justin, some other, some other folks were, were just talking about game shows in general and, yeah. and hosts. And, 
the idea of that being a job and how difficult I think they've found replacing Alex Trebek because frankly, there's really not such a thing anymore as a career game show host. Right. That, that kind of doesn't exist. There's Tom Bergeron, maybe, and that's about it. Yeah. As far Absolutely. as people who are, who that is their main line of work. Right. Um, so when you, when you lose someone who was one of the last sort of uh, active career game show hosts as Alex Trebek was, um, you don't really have somebody who can step right in. Somebody's going to have to build that muscle and develop that skill. And it's going to take time. Alex Trebek was the host of, I don't know how many game shows before right. he took over Jeopardy in 1984. And, and I remember talking, talking to Matt, who, who was, I don't know if he knew that Alex Trebek was on shows before Jeopardy, yeah. um, but I'm old enough to have seen that. Wizard um, of Oz and all high rollers. Other, yes. Um, classic concentration that might've been yeah. concurrent with Jeopardy for a little while. Yeah. Um, a lot more. I, I knew Alex Trebek along with Bill Cullen, along with Tom Kennedy, along with Gene Rayburn, yeah. along with you name it from the seventies when there was a bunch of guys who that's all they did. It was all guys too, by the way. Yes, it was. Um, but it was a bunch of them. Then that was their, that was their job. And they were super good at Jack Nars. Um, you know, the list goes on. Bob Barker. Bob Barker. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it was a um, it was a craft at that point. It was a trade that you could do. Yes. And now it's not. And so all that to say, that's why when when they were looking for a host and they had all these folks come in and you had such sort of varying levels of comfort and and ability was just like this is a different thing. This isn't yeah. the same as acting, and it's not the same as as uh newscasting and it's not the same as reporting it's not the same as being a sports announcer it's a totally different skill yes and so to have someone like my mayam who i think has taken to it as well as she has frankly i i think that she can only get better at it over time and she's starting from a really really solid base so assuming that she wants the job and is given it i think that in a couple of seasons she'll be a really really solid and good host of jeopardy you know and she is right now so i i think so um how much thought had you guys done in final jeopardy and that math mathematics you know that math <laughs> thing you know you're as you said Paulie, like, I know I will never bet everything, right? Like, and so I always, I, I, I'm always impressed by the people that, because you're under pressure, you, you've, you, you have no idea, you, they've given you this vague category, you got to try to figure out, okay, do I know anything about this category? And then I'm trying to figure out what everyone else has, and I got to calculate what they're going to bet, so talk me through that process and am I way overthinking it Paula okay I read all the books I did all the math in my head right but here's the reality I couldn't have I couldn't have gotten nobody we couldn't have beaten Matt and Chris was too far ahead of me so yeah. at that point that's where my pressure was off yeah I was just like I'm just happy to be here for final jeopardy 
the one regret I have is I had thought about it and I forgot I was going to bet $26 in honor of it being Matt's 26th victory. Oh, nice. And I, it, up until the moment I took the pen in my hand, that's what I was supposed to do. And instead I wrote $29.99 because in reality, it didn't matter what I bet. Right. I couldn't win. So I was just like, yeah, I'm, I, now I can relax. But before that, oh, yeah, I played all the scenarios out. And I'm not a great, I'm, math is never my strong suit. But I was like, okay, if I'm this far ahead, then this is what I can do. And depending on the topic. I thought landmarks, okay, that one's easy. Chris, your turn. <laughs> very, very similar thought. Um, yeah, there, there was sort of, in that final commercial break before before um, Final Jeopardy, it I was starting to decompress already. It was like, well, that was that. I can't catch Matt. So I do wonder, off the subject of betting, one, one of the things that sticks with me is, okay, if it had still been a horse race at that point, would I have paid more attention to the question? Mm-hmm. because I, I believe that if I had read more carefully, I would have had a better chance of getting it right. Agreed. Um, but it didn't matter. It, it, uh, I will say as far as betting, yeah, I, th- there's, there's a, a really helpful um, guide to that that a former contestant had put on the web, um, easily searchable. Uh, I, I do not recall the name of the site. But uh, but he's he's gone through and um, sort of laid out the tenets of okay well these are the things you have to think about and he went f- far more detail than than what I would have needed but I, I sort of was like okay well so if you're if you're in first here's what you have to to consider you know how how much do you need to bet to to not to to not be in danger of uh, the other person catching you if if you are wrong and they are right. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're in second, you know, how do you, do you have to guard against the, the third place player? Um, do you bet everything and just throw caution to the wind? I mean, the it's, it's all laid out there and in, I, I probably would have done okay with it, but I'm not good at math either. And so I, I sort of felt good that it was like, I could have, if I wanted to, spent the time to figure out okay well how much can i bet uh to the to the dollar to make sure that i even if i miss it will stay ahead of um double paula's score yeah but in the end i was just like well five thousand dollars falls in the range and it's a cool round number and i know that i (laughs) i know that it's safe so i just did that and and saved myself having to uh do any paper and pencil calculations real quick. So I am a child of the 70s. I graduated high school in 1977. I spent many summer vacations in front of the TV, you know, just going through all the game shows um, till, you know, my mom's soaps came on and then, you know, she got the TV. But so, um, did you get rice aroni? Do they give parting gifts anymore? <laughs> I was so bummed. I was like, come on, at least rice aroni. Nope, no San Francisco treat. The no home Serrano. game, the, the home no. game, right? Yep. 
No zebra. We get a check 120 days after our air date and reimbursement for our COVID test. That's that's right. Minus California tax. We got a baseball cap and uh, and a little bag. And a tote bag. Yes. I, I really wish we had been able to like sign each other's caps or take a picture together. Or just go out for a damn drink afterward. Yeah. You know what I said? I was like, I don't know about you guys. I want to go find a pub trivia thing and yes. kick all their asses. Yeah. Because I felt like so I needed fun. some sort of validation. Mm-hmm. But when I got back to my hotel, I was beat. Yeah. I was exhausted. And I couldn't find a pub trivia, but I was that close. If there had been one, I would have been like, we're going. And Guhan is in 21. So he was like, oh. as we all know, many times. <laughs> I think I was the oldest in our in our cohort and Guan was the youngest. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, you know, you're an adorable kid. I'd let you babysit my grandkids. And that was like his favorite compliment. That's um, nice. he was like, I can't go to a bar. I'm I'm not 21. And I'm just like, I can't even have this conversation now. <laughs> Do you not get a photo of like you on the set or I mean you you know with Myram or anyone? Yeah. Okay, you do. Yeah, the press pictures. Okay. We got like one. an actual kind of selfie thing. We didn't get to get. Okay. No, no phones in there. We got yeah, we got one behind the podium and and one with uh, one with the host. Um, okay. We were like super super far. From, it's like here's here's a wide angle picture of me on one side and way over here is Mayim. Well, um, with COVID, yeah, I guess exactly. you do have to worry about that. Yes. I'm jealous of the folks who. Uh, it seems like 90% of the people who have been on Jeopardy, you can tell because that's their uh, profile picture on social media. Right. And and I am now part of that group. But uh, mm-hmm. but many of them I'm jealous of because they have one with uh, with Alex and they're like right next to each other. Yeah. And it's like my my one. I couldn't use my one with uh, with Maya because we're like 15 feet apart. I guess you could crop it and, you know, kind of mesh it. I suppose um, so. I, I will give you this. I I was telling you guys that David and Brian Shoshan were on mm-hmm. just yesterday. I recorded and um, Bruce came out and Patty came out. And he went to hug them and Patty yelled at Bruce. No, we're not hugging. We're not hugging. <laughs> because of that. That. To me, I'm a hugger. The yeah. fact that I didn't shake hands with Chris or Matt or hug Matt or hug Chris. I mean, that's yeah. like not everything I'm not. Oh, but, yeah. But they were so good about making the COVID thing part of the day that it yeah. didn't even strike me until later that I was like, I never hugged any of those people and, or even shook hands. And right. yeah, it's, it's, that's a regret. But I think, yeah. Yeah, I think that really affected the day in that I felt like we as a group developed such, such a strong affinity and had such a good time. Everybody was, was so just positive, overwhelmed, supportive that I, I think it would have been even nicer in a normal situation. Yeah, where, I can, I can imagine. You can all sort of be a gang instead yeah. of just like very, very far apart. Good. Um, final thoughts, Chris. Anything that I didn't ask you I should have? Any kind of well, summaration of the yeah, journey? I, just, I, 
I want to talk about that famous guy a little bit. Um, okay. So as of the as of the time we are taping this, Madame Odio is is uh, still enjoying his his run, um, having a great week so far this week. And and I had said earlier to Paula um, in a message that I think at the end of the uh, the the end of the week that we were that we were there for the taping of when Matt crossed a million dollars. And I was like, well, it's going to be nice to be able to watch these episodes now and once again, not know what's going to happen and, and be with everybody else. So I'm, I'm enjoying that, but uh, I just, I couldn't be a bigger fan of the guy at this point. Um, he was uh, engaging and friendly. As Paula said, he was, he was a little bit shy and you could tell that uh, it's not his, his element to be super outgoing with folks. But that being said, he could not have been um, friendlier. He never, um, he never, you know, took advantage of the fact that uh, that he uh, did know the place and and all the mm-hmm. people. You could tell that the crew was liked him liked him so much, and and he was sort of one of their own at that point. But uh, but he didn't uh, try and and use that to any advantage. I had lunch with him um, in as much as we were uh, allowed to have lunch with anybody, which was sort mm-hmm. of at two ends of a very long table. Yeah. But, uh, but he and I, but right before our taping sat and had lunch, it was about a 45 minute conversation where we just talked about everything under the sun. He's originally from Cleveland. My daughter, as, as you and I have talked about is now going to school in Cleveland. So we talked a little bit about the city, about sports, about, uh, his work um, experiences I've had and just, just what a, what a nice guy in that situation to continue to sort of, um, you know, be everybody's booster. Um, He did that then he's done it on social since then. Um, The one thing he, he, he engages almost everybody that, uh, that wants to interact with him, which, which has to be very time consuming for him. The only time I've seen him get sort of prickly on social media is when people are bad mouthing his, his uh, competition. I'll jump in and say, not at all. He's like, I'm, I'm playing against tough people every day. And, you know, the fact that you're not seeing it is not reflective of anything. That maybe maybe I maybe I ran over you know a couple of contestants this day, but but all these people are are qualified to be there, and I'm proud to to be playing against them. And just you know he, he's doing everything right. Yeah. And I can't say enough nice stuff about him. Like I said, I'm I'm a, a big fan at this point. I'm happy to to see him continue to have success. That's nice to hear. That's really nice to hear. Paula, how about you? Uh, Any final thoughts? Well, it's funny because somebody asked me tonight at dinner and I said, you know what, if I was 30 years young or 20 years younger, I'd have the biggest crush on that. The one word that comes to mind for me is humble. His humility is not put on when he wins and he makes that face of, oh, my God, yeah. it's real. And one of the best compliments, Chris, do you remember when we, we left the studio and we had to walk like baby ducklings six feet apart? And Matt said, Wow, I think we only had one triple stumper. I'd want to be on a trivia team with you two. And I'm like, we have this trivia team. But it, you know, a 30 year old kid, I'm sorry, you know, I hate to say it, sure. he's 30, to me, he's a kid, a 30 year old kid handling that much pressure 
considering not only playing the game, but all the other stuff going on. Who's the host? Do we have a host? Yeah. I mean, all of that. And he adapted so brilliantly. And I've told him on social media, your parents did an amazing job raising you. That's because nice. you should not be that decent of a human being without coming from decent human beings. So it was, I told him it was an honor to lose to you. And the other thing I said to him was, I hope you go all the way because losing the mat, I have no problem with. Losing the mat being the best of all time, I'm even better with. Oh yeah, that's that's really it. nice. He that, deserves it. That's great. That's really good. Chris beat me fair and square. I mean, Chris coming in second, he beat me fair and square. And I have no problem with that, which is funny because in real life, I tend to be kind of competitive. I'm the oldest of six kids, but I knew I was with people who were my peers or better. And so I was like, okay, I'm good here. And that's the one of the greatest things about Jeopardy is I've been on it. Nobody can take that away from us. I didn't win, but I don't feel like I lost because I was chosen to play. So I like to say I didn't lose. I just didn't win. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And um, the it is, you know, I, I, I talk, you, we, we, we talk about people competing in the Olympics or something and um, just the thrill of representing your country being that high in a level then much less if you can you know make the podium um is just impressive um and it's like going back to other sports like finishing the tour de france where you may never ever win a stage or get close but you you start at the whole beginning and end there's a lot to be said for and and this is you know a unique journey i mean i realize a lot of people been on jeopardy but percentage wise not that many and especially when you throw in huge bruce springsteen fans and jeopardy contestants right that is a very Mm -hmm. small subset um this has been great chris paula thank you both so much um i i'm fascinated this behind the story scenes and 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 i'm so glad it was a pleasant experience and and in a and a fulfilling experience right i i think um i'm a big believer in one of my favorite songs from bruce's better days and mm-hmm. when i'm doing a business presentation which by the way i thought you were a return on investment trainer and i was like wow she trains people on just how they can like doesn't matter the product i can teach you how to build an roi so that was my first thought but um when i have to do a business presentation i often quote better days because i believe the theme of that song is that you have to enjoy the journey that too many people wait, well, if, when I get out of college, then I'll be successful. When I get this promotion, when the kids are out of diapers, you know, when I find my soulmate, when, 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 if, 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 instead of enjoying the journey now, um, you know, in, yes, it is horrible when you aren't getting any sleep and and you've got a newborn, but you know, you're never going to have that time with them again. You know, the, the time spent in the trenches working and 
building your first promotion are all time you do. So better days to me is the reminder to enjoy the journey. And I feel like that's what you guys have said. You enjoyed the hell out of the journey. And it, you know, win, lose, draw, it doesn't matter. I've, I was on Jeopardy. I got to compete against two amazing people. And we lost to someone who is absolutely the best, could be the best of all times, but definitely in the discussion of greatest, host, uh, you know, players of all times. What's not to be happy about? That's, that's absolutely right. I, I had said to, to my dad at the end of that day, you know, you're gonna if you're gonna go up and take an at bat you want to stand up against steve c or do you want to stand up against nolan ryan you know yeah. and um that's what i feel like i i got to stand in against one of the all-time best yeah and i don't think that there's a bad outcome i don't think that there's a bad feeling about that and you're absolutely right i i savored that entire day yeah. and uh and if i had one i can't imagine feeling better than what i do nice nicely said good anything else paula before i let you guys go no thank you so much for for having me on um i've been promising to do this and yeah this is a perfect moment but i think everything i truly believe everybody crosses people's lives for a reason there's a reason i played chris and not rebecca or justin or um anyone else and it because Chris and I have the Springsteen bond that we didn't even know at the time. Yeah. And we found that out through Reddit when we were chatting on Reddit. It's like, oh, you're Paula. On <laughs> but the, I, will, I will leave you with one thing. The Please. one thing that made me scream and yell and curse. Final Jeopardy. Monday after our week is over. The final Jeopardy was a Bruce Springsteen question. <laughs> And I, I think Chris heard me in Ohio. I screamed something like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Yes. And Chris's response in text was something like, oh, for Christ's sake, in all caps. Yes. And I'm like, we are forever <laughs> bonded just by playing against each other. But that that Monday thing, Chris, that's where I'm like, you are on my friend list forever. Absolutely. I mean, you can't break you can't break the ties that bind, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Blood brothers under the bridge, right? Absolutely. Um, Chris, Paula, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yes, Paula, we will uh, we will find time for you to be on there because I I want to hear your Springsteen story. I'm going to not ask you the Mary question now. I'm going to wait till you've got your solo episode, mm -hmm. but that will be your homework. Um, listeners, please, please go get vaccinated. Go remember to wear your mask. Remember to social distance. Let's all be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. Thank you, Paula. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everyone. And we will talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. 
We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. That listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. And we're done. Great job, guys. I awesome. hope that was so much fun. Loved it, Jesse. Uh, yeah, that's great. And I really, really appreciate I because you, you always worry, like, I'm gonna ask the things that yeah, I'm tired of talking about that, right? The no. whole okay, good get some different questions and so i appreciate you both now you did a great job because a lot of what you're asking is exactly what people want to know because that's what people have asked me that and the other the other question i've gotten was do you get to keep the money that you earn and i'm like if i did do you think i would have bet 29.99 yes exactly three grand duh yeah but no, you you asked all the right. You asked the exact questions that people listening will want the answers to. So you did exactly what you you should do. You Agreed. are you are you are both sweethearts. Thank you. <laughs> all right, you guys have a great night. Thank you again. We'll talk soon. You too, Bye-bye. Paul. It's nice to talk to you again. See you, Chris. We'll talk. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.